In a world where heresy blankets the airwaves, religious stuffed shirts suck the life out of Sunday morning, and prosperity teachers rob grandmothers of their pensions, three unassuming ministers endeavor to shine the light of biblical theology and put the fun back in fundamentalism. Broadcasting live from the Hall of Dogma. Welcome to episode one of the Gospel Friends. I'm David. I'm Chase. And I'm Nick. I would like to go ahead and apologize um, to those in the audience who may be a little bit confused about the episode numbering in our feed or on our podcast. I'm a little OCD, and um, in my effort for us to be uh, professionalism and kind of well-organized in everything we do... um, I had to go see on the episode numbers. So. Well, I think it's just part of your overall plan to confuse me by using large technical geek terms that I don't understand. <laughs> like, this is not, should be episode one, this should be beta or meta or Peta pilot or, or whatever. Did you actually put the uh, first thing we recorded up on the podcast feed? Yeah. Yeah, I made it. I put it out as a beta. So we have a beta, a and pilot, then we have a pilot. And episode one. Isn't that, that kind of an embarrassing show? I don't even remember what we talked about. Eh. Uh, yeah. But I, I think it lets people kind of get acquainted with the charm of our personnel. What does beta mean? Uh, pre-release. It's it's, it's pre-pilot. You asked that in the first show. Have you really forgotten that fast? <laughs> Look, I made a joke. He about, didn't say it, so he doesn't remember. I made a yeah, I made a joke oh, about I, the, I don't uh, the old so beta machine. Okay, nice, nice. Uh, I remember that now. Yeah, beta pilot. Pre-pilot. Look again. You guys love Star Wars, which made you know four, five, and six before they made one, two, and three. So everything we, we makes sense. See, out of that we're genre. Star Wars fans, so we really don't talk about one. Period. <laughs> and if we can avoid talking about two and three, we we do that as well. Um, I do want to thank everybody for tuning in. Uh, we've got a couple of different ways to contact us. Um, not sure how you came about us, but we're glad you did. Um, the other ways to contact us are on Twitter. Um, the Twitter we've got at My Gospel Friends because we are we do hope we are your friends. Um, on Facebook, you got facebook.com slash groups slash Hall of Dogma, or if you just search Hall of Dogma, that'll bring up our group. Um, go ahead and just request an invite there. You can email us at thegospelfriends at gmail.com. Or if you want to shoot us a voicemail, you can reach us at 205-575-9735. And we'll be glad to kind of correspond with you guys throughout the week. And talk about like the in the early days of the show, before we become the mega hits that we're destined <laughs> to be, we'll probably put your voicemail on the air. I'd love to. Yeah, love look, to. if you contacted us now... I mean, you can get in the ground floor yes. on this. I mean, you, you will like years from now. It's not multi-level marketing. Well, no, it really could be. Oh. Years from now, we will call you an early friend of the show. That's I right. Mean, you have an opportunity right now, like, kind of like Chase in high school. If you get in as his oh, friend, no. you're going to be good because, you know, you don't have a lot. <laughs> so. It's like being on staff with John Piper in the early 80s before he was anybody. Yeah, it's a big one. deal now, good but, one. you know. It's, it's that kind of thing. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. It's hey, like well, that guy who was on the elephant room that none of us still know who he is, but he was there because he knew that guy from what's way his back. Name? Oh, yeah. Exactly. We don't know. <laughs> hey, what's what's the follower limit for uh, our Twitter account, My Gospel Friends? Um, we're close to it at eight. That's what I was worried about, <laughs> that we were going to overwhelm. You know, the fail whale, I don't want to be responsible for that on Twitter with the number of followers our uh, Twitter feed is attracting. Yeah, we're, we're, we're blowing up. We actually probably will lose one of those eight because um, 
Your um, wife will get tired of hearing you. No, uh, they they followed us, and I followed them back, and then I unfollowed them because they were posting like uh, 200 tweets per minute. Yeah, I, was a, I love that stuff. And so I'm uh, sorry. Yeah. I'm not going to Not a fan. Them. Some yeah. of the dynamics of Twitter and that. I'm going to let you go. Hey, I need to thank our good friend, literally in real life, Absolutely. Sean Lombard, who provides the intro and the outro music Sean. for the podcast. Yep. Uh, known Sean for several years, love his music. You can check him out on uh, facebook.com slash pages slash Sean dash Lombard, uh, or you probably can just go to our website, uh, thegospelfriends.com, and I bet at some point in the next year or two, we'll have a link to Sean's work there <laughs> next on the year or two, I'll get it. Uh, it the, looks like, kind of browsing his site, he's got a live album coming out sometimes pretty yeah. soon. Yes, he that does. That would be well worth checking out. Uh, the song Excellent. that we've got coming in right now is uh, from Rare Bird, and yeah. that is Good an CD. awesome CD. Hey, I knew Sean back before he was famous. So, David, <laughs> I'm going to ask you first, what is on tap for today? Oh, topic wise, topic wise. wise. Well, I'll tell you guys, I have. Hopefully, get we'll get to this, but I have a fell of the week to tell you guys about. Uh, what did you do? Well, oh wait, you'll have to wait. Uh, was it you? Was yeah, it really? It was me. Oh, I yeah. wasn't sure if it was an internet fail. Awesome. I got no. It was me. I got a fell of the week uh, coming up, and if we get to it, Jake, I also want to talk about. Um, I want to talk about uh, whether or not our defense department in the United States has a plan for the zombie apocalypse. Oh, no. We have that coming up. David started watching Sounds Walking fun. Dead. And a little bit more uh, on the serious note, uh, Gallup has released, I believe for the 14th year now, the uh, a study on moral acceptability uh, in the country, talking about different issues and what our country believes is morally acceptable or not. And so we're going to kind of run through this list a little bit and talk about a couple things, see if what you guys know what is Moral the most, acceptability? Yeah. What is sounds the, a little boring, what but is the way the, you described it earlier really sounded exciting. Thank so you for I, crushing it. I, I think it'll be okay. You don't have to good. tune out, nah, listeners. It'll wow. be good. Wow. You guys don't have to start competing this early. You really don't. What do you got, Nick? Um, I'm actually... <laughs> I'm looking forward to arguing with you um, <laughs> on something you posted. What else on is new? Let me just say it may not be me. Over time. If you push oh, me too hard, it'll be the you, word of God. It may be Reverend Verbage. <laughs> oh, Lord. oh, we don't have that kind of time. No, we don't. Look, we don't have that much storage space on the server. Okay, so <laughs> let's just be kind and let's move on. But no, we. Um, David posted an interesting article on his Twitter feed, um, "Sports versus Church." We've had this conversation um, different times, different ways. Um, here at the church where we all we all serve and um i i liked some of the the things that the article brought up but there were also some um some ways she tied things together that i just kind of went well, what about this or what about that and i thought it'd be kind of fun to um to kind of pitch that to the group and discuss well good deal here's what's on tap for me we're not going to discuss all of these things but we might discuss some of them Okay. Things like a major denomination has declined for the seventh year in a row, uh, a college football topic, um, as the Driscoll turns, the which Driscoll is a turns. drama surrounding oh, Mark no. Driscoll, as yeah. well as Pastor Tullian and Tim Keller, Don Carson, Sarah Palin, Glenn Beck, lots of famous names and famous things to talk about. But I want to start it off with uh, a trivia question for you guys, which is an unscripted segment. All right, trivia. Happening live on the show now, who is Ann B. Davis? Ann Davis. Ann B. Davis. I saw this on Twitter um, when I was getting ready to come over, so I'm going to let David answer first. I don't know. Was she the um, governor of Texas at one point? That is a great guess. There was a governor of Texas with a similar name that I remember, but it wasn't Ann B. Davis. Okay, then I'm I'm not sure. Can I Google it? You may. 
because you're going to find out very sadly that Ann B. Davis died today, which was oh, a bit astonishing the to middle me. Middle square of the Brady oh. because I had no idea she was still alive. I didn't either. Wow. No idea. Alice, beloved Brady from Bunch, from the made. Brady Bunch, passed today. God rest her soul. I was a fan of Brady Bunch, and uh, I miss Alice. And Sam the Butcher has preceded her in death by quite a few years. So, uh, a brief moment of silence for the Brady Bunch's Alice. Hey, was that brief enough? Yes. Okay. Oh, it'd be irreverent. Respect the dead, McConnell. <laughs> Respectable. Hey, um, can I tell you? I, I never really liked the Brady Bunch. Whoa. I didn't. So, first of all, you're going to trot upon her moment of silence, and second, you're going (laughs) to spit on her life's work. I will say that I... Are you a pastor? No, I am. In real life? As a kid, I liked... They came out with the remake. Pastor Stoneheart. I shouldn't say this. They came out with the remake, and one of the girls in it was um, Christine Taylor in the remake. And growing up, um, as a kid, I was in love with Christine Taylor because she was on a Nickelodeon show called Hey Dude. Oh wow! Which Do one was you, she? Hey, she was the blonde Melody. Oh no, I was. Oh, I like the dude. brunette Brad. Yeah, Brad disappeared after that show, and they that she's never did any acting since. But um, I was in love with Christine Taylor as a as a as a child watching Hey Dude, and so I was in love with Kelly Kapowski, and I actually had the opportunity to Kelly Kapowski be uh, in the same room with Tiffany Amber Thiessen. Oh, she was off of uh, Saved, Saved by, by the, the Bell. Bell. Yes. Nick, who were you in love with as a child besides your mom? <laughs> what a stunning question. <laughs> well, I mean, just while we were, while we were, um, <laughs> I lost Nick. Hey, I have an idea. Nuke, Nuke's gone. For or actually, Nuke may come back in a moment. Our segment that we've aptly titled after you, David, oh, uh, man of insults and mom jokes, tonight for uh, our opening segment, before we get to the meatier parts of the show, I have brought a cereal to you guys to sample for nice. Dude Check This Out. Dude Check This Out. Last week, we had some Virgil's, Virgil's Cola, that which was, awesome. was great. So yeah. tonight, we have... Uh, Cereal. That's right. And look, I'm not one to toot my own horn, and I hope you guys know that. I am a paragon of Y'all humility. Y'all each other out that way. But that's true. I am, I am the world's leading expert on cereal. Now, you're also wow. good friends with uh, Captain Crunchy, right? I am more than good friends with Captain Crunchy. In fact, you'll never see me and Captain Crunchy in the same room together. The alter ego of Chase. Captain Crunchy. Thank you wow. for giving that up to yeah. all of my enemies That's who have long sought to kill me in my mortal form. I apologize. But here's what I want to share with you guys tonight. Right, we're going to do we got? we're going to do a little cereal review live and on the air, a brand new cereal. Oh, you no. think you're looking at Honeycomb, which is a cereal you've all had before. In love. But this is not merely Honeycomb. Oh, well, this is Honeycomb with twisted Marshmallows, oh, no. twisted marshmallows. Can you imagine they that? Well, I guess I'm gonna get to taste it. Oh, I guess you are. Right, I want to say up front, I'm nervous because I love honeycomb, and I don't personally. As Chase gets the uh, bowls and spoons ready, I don't personally think you should mess with um, good things like that. Well, I mean, we're gonna find out. We're gonna give you, our listeners, an unbiased. Oh. Review right here, right now, to Live. save you three dollars and seventy nine cents in the store. Well, apparently, we may give you an unbiased review and also an earful of crunching. Yeah, right, exactly, yeah, and pouring. So I, I, I bet this is really going to catch this. I'm going to pass this to you, Nick. 
Honeycomb I, with I'm not uh, actually sure I got any marshmallows in my cup here. What actually makes the marshmallows twisted? Um, they were manufactured by heretics? I don't know. Hey, um, my... Actually, I think the color... I, I, I think you got robbed, bro. I don't see any marshmallows in there. Hey, well, I, I gotta tell you, if I don't have any marshmallows in my cup, that's one star off right right there. Right from the start, Honeycomb. N- Nick, and I also have to apologize to John because there's now Honeycomb yeah, on I, stage um, next Sunday. Nick has just um, oh, put down. the cereal all over the uh, broadcast okay. studio at the Hall hey, of Dogma. did you know that your your the love of your youth is married to Ben Stiller? Uh, yes, she is, actually. And that's another reason for me to, I don't know, love or hate Ben Stiller. I don't love her anymore. I mean, I'm I'm happily married now. And you guys think he's funny? The husband of one wife. Ben Stiller, yeah. Okay. I, as a kid... That was who I wanted to marry. Hey, could you pass the milk? Oh, oh, my bad. Thanks. Here we go. Captain. Yeah. Uh, Captain, hey, did you ever watch... You? Hey, dude. Not that I remember. I'm sure I did, but it's not a show I remember. I do remember Saved by the Bell. I, I watched every episode of Saved by the Bell. Yeah. I still remember watching the TV movies. I, I remember watching the college years, and then I remember watching the TV movie where they got married. Okay, in a completely um, biblical and nice and good way... Who was the most attractive uh, female on Saved by the Bell to you guys? Um, Kelly. I mean, that's really the only answer. I hope you don't have a different one, David. I actually thought the other girl was prettier. Tori as Spelling? As a kid. Tori Spelling was not on the... Oh, yeah, she was. Wake as up, a, McConnell. As like she a was nerd. on. She was a nerd. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, she was the nerd. No, the uh, taller girl. Oh, Jesse. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I actually thought she was prettier. That's Tori Spelling, isn't it? No. Mm. What's her name? Oh, was Tori on? Um, we probably shouldn't wanna... talk about this during the the serial uh, segment. No, no, right. we have to. Can oh, I, can Tori I tell was on you for a second. Can I tell you for a what second? What's her name? Uh, Captain, uh, that I actually don't think this Elizabeth tastes... Berkeley. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. This doesn't taste any different than normal honeycomb. Well, I actually did get some marshmallows in mine. They are disappointingly small compared to the picture on the front, which <laughs> makes them appear to be. Giant monoliths of marshmallow power. Giant monolith of marshmallow. Okay, I'm just going to say that I think this is a honeycomb with uh, miniature marshmallows. Very tiny. Can you find them marshmallows? Okay, let's give it a review. All right. Out of five stars. Rev, you're first. I'm going to go with uh, five because I actually happen to love honeycomb, (laughs) and this tastes just like honeycomb. So I'm going to go with five. Now, if you're... I'm going to go with five stars and a warning for false advertisement. So this is the thing. I'm going to go, you know, I don't I don't love or hate honeycomb. It's not probably something I'm going to necessarily buy, but if it's there, I'll, I'll eat it. And so since it's already not a um, cereal that I love or hate, um, but then I really, I, I don't see any twisted marshmallows in my cup. So I'm gonna, I've got to give it a three, but just because there's no. I'm going to go three and a half stars. Honeycomb is a fine cereal. I am expecting more marshmallows, though. I share your disappointment, yeah. Nick. Um, three and a half stars. Hey, do you Buyer have to, beware. Do, caveat emptor. Do you pay more for the uh, marshmallow version? No, same the, price. No, same price. Well, I will say this. So they're really not jipping you anything. No, they're not. But they're, they're raising your expectations and smashing yep. them. Look, and if you raise expectations, you need to meet them. Yes, and you, if do. you don't. You do. then you, I think. And by the way, strawberry honeycomb, which is you never see these days, is a, a fine cereal. I can see that's good. Well, David, I can hear our more uh, our, our more serious listeners out there uh, 
hollering into their radios and other listening so devices. So you're going to pass them to the next segment? Get on with it. <laughs> yeah, so we need to get on to something more serious. Last week, I won some kind of uh, contest you did at the end. I don't remember what it was. I just remember uh, I won. Florp. <laughs> well, that was Mark. no. That was Arm Falloff Boy. He's now the official mascot yeah, of the Gospel Florp. Friends, thanks to a deal we worked out with DC Comics. Wow. All right, remember we have to work in. To we have to work the plor- the word plorp into every episode now. Plorp. But uh, I won, and so I had the privilege of coming back this week with the game. I got to come up with the game. So uh, now the way that we do this is we're going to have a, a game at the beginning, and that will the winner gets to um, to take the uh, first topic, correct? So this, Word. yeah. And uh, so tonight, as I as I plugged last week, I said, go home and prepare for your '80s professional wrestling trivia. Now the 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 something you may not know about good old David Rev Verbage is that uh, I. Grew up a huge professional wrestling fan, maybe one of the biggest. My dad was a huge professional wrestling fan. My earliest memories were watching professional wrestling. This is a fact that my wife is extremely proud of. Some of our dates back in the 90s was to professional wrestling events here at the uh, locale no, of the Hall didn't. of Dogma. Yeah. We would have Monday night wrestling watching parties together, and whoa, then we whoa. would um, then we would go at down to under, church. Under a different church leadership. Let's just point that out. What? You would have wrestling watching parties here at Agape? I said Monday night. I mean, night. here? No. When we were You dating. said here at the Hall of Dogma. Oh, uh, no, 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 no. You meant Okay, it. yeah. That's the I, Fortress of Davitude? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. No, wow. No, no. no. So, anyway, I thought tonight we would bring a little 80s professional wrestling I forgot tribute. to prepare. Now, I've got to ask a question, Nick. I'm what, cramming what, right I now. I didn't forget to prepare. I nu- had a job. Nuclear Nick, what... Uh, oh, what I have year, a job, too. What year were you born? I know you do. I, what year were you born? I didn't mean to... I'm focus, men, men, focus. What year were you born? 1981. 1981. Okay, so you got nine years. So, well, actually, you probably wouldn't start being, paying attention until 84, 85. But, uh, Dude, you're, you're three years older than me. Okay. Calm down. All right, so I'm going to give you some 80s now. Just to warn you guys, we're staying only in the WWF world uh, for this particular game, World Wrestling Federation. Because, Andre the Giant. Yeah, but later on, we can hit another. So we've got some rounds here. Stone Cold Steve Austin. If first we stink question, at first, you're going to have to make the questions easier. Actually, the questions are going to get harder as we go. Oh, so right, I've got, I got some gimmies here at the beginning. Here we go. Round number one, well, first well, question. What do we buzz in, or are you going to give it to us? Now I'm going to give you each a question. Um, oh, each okay. round, and I'll keep score. So uh, Captain Crunchy, the uh, Mr. Chase. First question to you. Jake the Snake Roberts yes. had a finishing move, which was called what? It was called the DDT. The DDT. In your face. One point Nicholas. to Chase. Uh, nuke. Nuclear Nick. Which manager did Hulk Hogan and Macho Man Randy Savage spend a good portion of the 1980s feuding over? This person mean was Mean Gene. The, no, no. Mean, oh. mean Gene was an announcer. Oh, then. But this correct. was the manager, a female manager. No? Mm-mm. Okay. Uh, Captain, could you have got that? Elizabeth. Miss, Miss Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Yeah. Oh. Right. One nothing. Oh, so Savage One nothing. Won. One nothing. You know, I'm going to listen to this show tomorrow and question the wisdom of us eating cereal. Yes. You oh, yeah. Because yeah. you've been Audience, crunching we, in my We ear. apologize if you're still you with us. You put cereal in front of me. I'm, been... go- I'm going to eat it. Look. You put the cereal. Round two. Go ahead. Nick, first question didn't, to you. Didn't Macho Man win? Because uh, when I remember watching. Well, it went back and forth. It went back and forth. But he walked off he with ultimately, Elizabeth. Ultimately, yes. Ultimately, he walked off with Elizabeth. Because by the time I remember watching... Yeah. He was actually married to her in real life. Oh, okay. Maybe that's one. Uh, round two. 
Nick, which premier WWF tag team in the 80s was made up of Axe and Smash? I'm going to give you multiple choice. Wait a minute, Thank wait a minute, wait Lord. Axe. Is it my turn? No, this, this one went to, che, uh, went to Nick because we, it's round two. Okay, so we're snaking it. Yeah, yeah. All right, all right. The Powers of Pain, The Islanders, Demolition, or The Killer Bees? With a name like that, I've got to go with Demolition. That is right. Ooh, that's pretty good. Boom. Chase. Yes. Right. Who shaved the head of adorable Adrian Adonis at WrestleMania 3? Brutus Beefcake, Roddy Piper, Jimmy Hart, or his mom? Brutus Beefcake, uh, Roddy, what's the same Roddy Piper or Jimmy Hart Roddy, Roddy. or say, Adrian's mom. I'm going to say Roddy Piper. Actually, no. Roddy Piper was who beat Adrian Adonis. So and therefore, he lost, but it was Brutus who became the barber. the barber. Of course. One to one. Round I was wondering if that's where it came from. Here we go. Round three. I, real quick, I, I do do want to yeah. ask a clarifying question. Yeah. Is there is there not an emoticon picture of you as Rowdy Roddy Piper? Round three. <laughs> Chase, who was the surprise wrestler going into SummerSlam 88? We did not know who would face the honky tonk man for the Intercontinental Championship, but at SummerSlam 88, this surprise visitor, surprise wrestler came on the scene and beat him. Ravishing Recruit, the Ultimate Warrior, the Blue Blazer, or Adrian Adonis' mom? 1988. Yep. Uh, what was the second one? Uh, Ravishing Recruit, the Ultimate Warrior, or the Blue Blazer? I'm going to say the Ultimate Warrior. It was the Ultimate Warrior. Nice. All right. Questions our audience are asking. What does cereal and wrestling have to do with the gospel or friendship? Sorry, I didn't want to hijack the Number show. You've got to, you know we're friends if we're still. Okay. Nick, Hulk Hogan Here. won his very first WWF championship defeating who? Nick Bockwinkle, the Iron Sheik, the Million Dollar Man, or King Kong Bundy? Very first world title Dude. in the WWF. You actually need to get this to you know stay in the game. Just yep. chase us up. 2-1. Oh. Ah, uh, Yeah. Feel Do the that pain. telepathic message thing. Nick, work. Bockwinkle, the Iron Sheik, the Million Dollar Man, or King Kong Bundy. Three seconds. I'm really going to guess, but I think the Iron Sheik. It was the Iron Sheik. Oh. You guys are tied up. We move to the tiebreaker. We move to the tiebreaker. First person to say it. Oh, I found a marshmallow. Yeah. <laughs> first, first person to answer wins the game. At which sports stadium did 93,000 fans Pile into for WrestleMania three. Which stadium? The Pontiac Silverdome. Chase wins. That is correct. Uh, for bonus points, who did which main event did they come to see at WrestleMania three? Uh, Hulk Hogan versus uh, Yokozuna. Uh, no, that was WrestleMania. Well, that was back like nine or ten. It was uh, uh, Andre, Andre the Giant. Andre of course, Hogan, Hogan. WrestleMania Giant, three. Right. Okay. All right. So some music for Chase. He we really need some music there. The game. I'm ripping my T-shirt off don't, as we speak. Don't. Please don't. Please don't. No. Nope. So Chase gets to actually set the order today you guys. for topics, right? Correct? Okay. Yes. Now. And so and then uh, Nick would be second. This is uh, good, good job. Nick. You're in the middle. I okay. Go, valiant. Loser goes last. Valiant. Valiant effort. This is our game, Take It or Leave It, and we've uh, actually done some tweaking to the game, and I hope I understand fairly well how it works, uh, and I, I guarantee you in the next couple of weeks, next couple of episodes, we're going to have a better name than Take It or Leave It, but we don't yet. So here's how the game works, gentlemen. I'm going to give you a general topic, and I'll start with you, Nick. I'll give you a general topic, 
and not tell you what the story is. And based on that general topic, you can decide whether you want to engage the story and tell the audience whether you like it or lump it, or you can pass it to your enemy across the table, Rev Verbiage, who will be forced to take the story. Does that make sense? It does to me. I'm digging through the box for marshmallows. Okay, get your hands out of my cereal box because I plan on eating some more of that later on tonight. Thank you very much. Uh, and guys, we're gonna have Which to keep a, use? we're gonna have to keep a fast pace on these um, because I have several. Several. Um, let's see which one would be a good one to start with. We're actually just waiting on you, so Nick. This is to you. The topic overall is education. Take it or pass it. Oh, you know you want tough. that. You want that. Your wife's a teacher. See, I kind of, I kind of do want to take that one, yeah. just because Lisa is a public school. Teacher. Actually, my wife's a teacher too, but still. Well, you, and, you and look, I don't want to undermine that because I, I wholeheartedly uphold that. But I think the top. You should. Take my it. impression is the topic will affect Lisa a little bit differently than yeah, Will Allison. You should take it. Not, I want it. Yeah, I I'll mean, take it. take it. Here's the question to you, Nick. Uh, a few weeks ago, at Liberty University, a bastion of evangelical Christendom, oh, a Mormon gave the final convocation of the year, which I understand was um, required attendance, and the uh, a large portion of the student body at Liberty listened to Mr. Beck speak at that mess at that convocation. Beck spoke openly about his faith in Mormonism, in case you didn't know he was a Mormon, and Jesus and salvation and lots of other things, and apparently got several rousing uh, rounds of applause. One of his quotes was this, I share your faith. I am from a different denomination, and a denomination, quite honestly, that I'm sure can make many people at liberty uncomfortable. I am a Mormon, but I share your faith in the atonement of the Savior, Jesus Christ. Nick Jenkins, noted evangelical university, Liberty, Liberty, hosting a Mormon for its convocation speaker, like it or lump it? It's touchy. Um, I wish I'd taken it. We'd be having barbecued back right now. I'm sorry. I'm going wow, to Wow, that's that's unnecessary. I like that though, barbecue back. Well, but that, alliteration. And, and I guess that's my question. What, you know, can can I ask a clarifying question? Did they did they bring him in because of because of his faith? Did they bring him in because of um his notoriety and in, in I suspect they brought him in because of his notoriety. And, and so if that's the reason you you brought him in, what what's the problem? And, and especially if in the things he he is stating, he's not undermining or any way trying to um, uh, come against what your university stands for. If if anything, he's trying to. And I may there may be not something about the, the article. I don't know the story. I don't know, but it, it sounds like from the descriptions you gave, he's trying to build a bridge between the two. Um, which you know, I the the walls, not the the distance, but the walls denominations put up. Um, just really, I have a hard time with. I I understand um, Mormonism is not a, a a a denomination as much as it is for a lot of people a different religion. But you know his affirmations of Jesus and things like that. You know those I like. Um, on the surface, what you've told me of the story, 
I like it, have no problem with it. Um, you know. All right. I'm going to lump it because uh, I, I believe there is a firm distinction between Christianity and Mormonism. Uh, and, and just reading a little bit about what Beck said, he did refer to Joseph Smith and several uh, we didn't fundamental— We Well, I'm just— See? I had to see. hold that back. Oh, yeah. Actually, I just read it. Fundamental <laughs> elements there you go. That's nice. of uh, Mormondom. And, and I, I think having Glenn see, Beck as a speaker, okay— Having him speak in chapel, not okay. It confuses the issue. Mormonism is but not a denomination. Not right? uh, what? Chapel's not commencement, right? Commencement is their graduation. No, not graduation. Uh, convocation. It's like the last oh, uh, okay. official kind of deal. I, I don't I'm think sorry. it's quite. A, just, I don't think it's quite a chapel service, but it's kind of borderline chapel. Oh, and okay, I, meeting I'm, kind of thing. I apologize. I was thinking commencement, not commencement. Well, look, I, look. Have the guy out to speak. I, I, I'm a little uncomfortable with that, uh, but have him speak in chapel on on Joseph Smith, etc. Lump, lump, lump. Okay, yeah. I, Over to you, McConnell, and I don't mind that we disagree on these. Uh, the topic is for you. College football, are you going to take it or leave it? I will take it. Take it. Great. I'm glad you did. This is a article about our old friend and hero and the greatest living college football coach, Nick Saban. <laughs> really? But this does have a connection to issues of morality, ethics, and Christendom. Nick Saban, in an interview this week at the SEC Media uh, Days in Destin, Lump it. was asked, oh, wait, sorry. <laughs> in light of Missouri's Michael Sam becoming the first openly gay NFL player, whether or not he would have a problem signing a gay football player. Saban said he had no problem with that. He said he's coached gay players before. And he said this, quote, as long as we respect them and they should respect us, and as long as that happens, I'm good. I would have no problem with that, and I would hope the players on our team would have the same kind of respect for someone's thoughts and feelings and differences and show the same respect. David, do you like that or lump that? I don't have a problem with what he said. I like that. It's fine. I, you know, look, we've... Shock. <clears throat> you shocked I thought I, you were going to lump it just because it was Nick Saban. Well, look, I did that originally when he was talking yeah. about it, War Eagle. No, I, uh, I, you know, this is... Oh. I'd burn Chase's ears off. <laughs> I, uh Look, I think that's the stance that I've read uh, that most college coaches are taking, and, and it's not, you know, it's... Um, We've we've talked uh, at length on a previous podcast we did about the uh, issue of homosexuality. Bottom line is that uh, you know I don't I don't think that because of someone's uh, sexual preference they should be kept out of you know playing a sport. Um, you know this is not an issue of uh, this is this is not an issue of salvation. We're not going to no one's going to come to know Christ or turn from. Their sin, which I do believe that practicing homosexuality is a sin. I do not believe it is a sin to be tempted by homosexuality. Uh, I believe that it is a sin to practice it, and uh, and and I believe that's a sin. But we're not going to turn anyone from their sin by saying they can't play, uh, can't play football. Now, I, I personally, even though you haven't asked me about this, I vehemently disagree with the way the Michael Sam situation has been handled because quite honestly I think it was simply something he was it was celebrated by the media in a way that that I think was uh, completely inappropriate I, I read someone said the other day uh, on Twitter um, well, if all of the if all of you Christians um, 
if uh, Michael Sam had been kissing his girlfriend after he was drafted, none of you would have a problem about it. And my first thought was, and this is probably going to be inflammatory, if Michael Sam uh, was kissing a girl, he would not have been drafted. Wow. That's I, interesting. I think that he got drafted because of Because the nobody wanted to not draft No him. one oh, wanted yes. to not draft him. I just, you know, and, and again, I realize that's, that's probably a somewhat controversial statement, but uh, bottom line is, uh, when's the last time you ever saw ESPN's camera in the home of a, what, seventh-round seventh. draft pick? Uh, that was a, I believe, a sensationalized moment for him to um, kiss his boyfriend on national television, and uh, and I think I don't like the way the media did that or played it up. Uh, I am not uh, for the I am not uh, for the uh, disc- you know the um, mistreatment of people who um, are homosexuals. I don't believe that does good for the gospel or. Um, shines correctly the light of Christ, but I think that whole story was sensationalized and made into something it should not have been. Okay, good deal. Uh, I'm going to, I guess I'm going to give a slight like to this story. I don't have a problem with with much of what Saban said. Uh, I I don't think um, Alabama has had uh, several players on the team in the past that have obviously uh, had children out of wedlock, so committed a, uh, according to the New Testament of the Bible, the sin of uh, adultery. Um, and, and so, and yes, I, I will equate sexual sin with sexual sin the same way the Bible does. Uh, pornography, which uh, I had years-long struggle with, is spoken of in Scripture in the same light as homosexuality, is the same light uh, in the same light as adultery. And so uh, lump all of us sinners together. Those things are spoken of in Scripture, despite what somebody like Matthew Vine would have you believe, as clear as a bell that this is sin. Uh, And we are not to uh, ostracize or despise or show disrespect for sinners, but we are to lovingly proclaim the gospel to them and speak the truth in love. So uh, having uh, uh, homosexuals on the team, having other other things on the team that the that the New Testament would be considered a sin, um, of course this is this is the real world. Um, that, that's a, this, the same thing as you know, and I, I quite honestly get uh, frustrated at t- sometimes at Christians because we do things like uh, where you know Starbucks gives money to the um, you know to uh, gay and lesbian. Sp- support groups and so let's boycott starbucks well why i mean all that does is send a message that we're against you and uh that's that's not going to save anyone that's not going to change anyone's mind i so it's to me it's along those same lines if you want to try to boycott a team or uh something like that because uh, they have gay people on it i think that's pretty ridiculous i i agree with that all right nick to you uh how about the topic is controversy in the church with a capital c are you gonna Are you gonna take it or leave it? Is hey, it, controversy. That's right up your alley. Controversy, by the way, is the capital say, C. Yeah, let's. Uh, this is the church with a capital C. A gl- kind of a a big picture controversy in the greater body of Christ. That church. So if I say leave it, does does the rev get? No, to you? you have to. Yeah, you can shove it on over to. Come on, come uh, on, David. Rev, let's let's hear what you say. About oh, really? You, you 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 taking it to me? Absolutely. You leaving it for me? Okay. Over to you, David. Uh, last week, uh, Pastor Tulian Chavidjan mm. came out, <laughs> Pastor and, Tully, uh, 
insinuated and outright said that uh, the Gospel Coalition, not naming names, the Gospel Coalition uh, lacked integrity in the way that it dealt with him and was telling outright lies. This week, Pastor Tulian has come out and written an apology, and I'm going to read you some of it. And my ultimate question is going to be, do you like or lump the way Pastor Tulian has handled this whole situation? Okay. But let me read you some of his words. Last week, he had some incendiary things to say. This week, he's come out and he says, first, I want to say I'm sorry. I'm sorry for saying things in my own defense. One of the things that the gospel frees you to do is never have to bear the burden of defending yourself. And he goes off on that tangent for quite a while. I'll give you another quote. Second, I want everyone to know just how much I absolutely love and adore my friend Tim Keller. Tim is traveling, but we've been in touch and are planning to talk this upcoming week. We are both committed to one another and the friendship we have had for many years. There are few people on this planet that I hold in higher esteem than Tim. He knows that. I love him. And I will say that no mention is ever made of Don Carson in, in the whole post. And I, I checked and I found that interesting. But Tulian was very clear about his love for Keller. Last thing, uh, last quote, and then it's going to be to you. He says, the saddest thing about all of this is that because of the public visibility of those involved, this conflict gained a lot of attention. The reason this grieves me so deeply is because the Bible says God wants the way Christians uh the way Christians love one another to be a visible model of the way God loves us. So whenever you see any of us who claim to be Christ followers behaving in a manner that is unlike Jesus, please forgive us. And please let that be a reflection on us and not on him. Yeah. Um, actually, I had read some of that uh, yesterday. I, I, don't, I, I will admit up front, I am not as versed on all of this um, as, as probably I should be, but the... You know, kind of go back to the beginning. Um, most of this, my understanding, occurred from a response that um, Pastor T, Pastor <laughs> Tully, as I'm calling him, um, he, he made uh, publicly to a, a another writer, a female writer on the Gospel Coalition blog, uh, and uh, issue over um, grace and the law. And I, I really kind of felt like, as I read his original response, that he kind of challenged her and challenged. Uh, her article on things that she really had never uh, proposed in her article. Like it, it almost felt like he was giving her a public rebuke or at least her uh, point of view, a public rebuke rebuke when it really wasn't, um, it really wasn't her view any, you know, uh, anyway, uh, he, he dealt with a lot of issues in that, uh, in, in that article that she really never put on the table. And so I, I, I kind of go back and think, I really don't know why, you know, I, I understand, um, to me, if you have a, a, a problem with something and, you know, a Christian, you could get in contact with them and a brother, sister in Christ and kind of do that privately at the same time, maybe sometimes a public rebuke is necessary, but in this situation, didn't really seem like it was, so I kind of feel like that controversy. Maybe he, he kind of got it going and then got it stirred up, and uh, and and kept it going. His apology, I accepted at face value. I liked his apology uh, if he if he meant that, uh, which I'm going to assume that he did. I thought the apology was good. Bottom line is, I, I, I the whole the whole controversy I think has. Uh, in, you know, to to me, it is it's um, damaging for the church and damaging for the gospel at large, and it's one of those things that I think um, is best would have been best handled in a different way, probably a private way. Uh, and so, uh, 
like or lump um, how he's handled this. Uh, I don't know. Could I go a middle ground? Slight lump, perhaps. Slight lump. Yeah, I you like did a that. slight like on that last one. So I'm going to go a slight lump. Okay. I've got some issues with some of the things he did, but in general, I like the way he ended it, if that's how he truly uh, chose to end it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go a similar direction. One of the things Pastor Tulian says is that uh, – he, he he kind of uh, he says the saddest thing about all this is because of the public visibility of those involved, this conflict gained a lot of attention. Well, brother, that happened because people involved in the conflict publicly wrote about it and used some incendiary and inflammatory words. And looking at this from the outside, looking in, it, a lot of those words came from his pen. So I don't like how we got there. Yeah, I lump that. Yeah, but overall, I can understand having a difficult disagreement that causes you to speak words you wouldn't normally speak out of an emotion that might not be under a hundred percent control, and then coming back and owning it and apologizing. So I'm going to give this one also a slight like, though I'm grieved that we had to get to this point. Last segment, last topic, I should say. And that's going to go back to you, Nick, since you passed the last one. And the topic is, as the Driscoll turns. Uh, You want to take it or leave it? (laughs) You need to take it. Come on. Take it, man. It's going to be just as fun as the... Take it. Uh, One of the blogs on Patheos.com this week is reporting that in the Mars Hill Church Pastoral Agreement... For everybody that's on staff with any Mars Hill Church, there is a non-compete clause that says that any of the pastors or elders there uh, will commit, and I'm going to read it to you, together this day we commit that our next church ministry will not be within 10 miles of any location of Mars Hill Church, except with the express consent of the local pastors of the nearest church, the Sending Church. Uh, and if different, and the executive elders of Mars Hill Church. We are, as Ephesians 4.3 says, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. We care about the church, the testimony of our church, and the dear people who attend our church. Nick, do you like or lump that if a pastor leaves Mars Hill Church, he has agreed to not pastor in another church within 10 miles of any Mars Hill Church? Which, as Patheos has pointed out, kind of is a large geographical area in places like Seattle where there's a lot of Mars Hill churches. Um, I would, I, I, at this point, I would have never necessarily liked that article. Okay. Um, I was, I was going to kind of try to find a middle ground a la some of the previous stories up until the point that they, they broke out the Bible and talked about the unity of the spirit um, to justify non-compete clause. Um, I've been a part of a de- denomination that um, they wouldn't call it deno- a, a non-compete, but they had a similar policy of they didn't want to have so many. Um, you basically had to be so far away from another church of the same denomination. Um, and this was in this, within the same denomination. This wasn't, you know. I don't think I've ever heard of that. Yeah. Right. A, uh, yeah. Uh, AG has that and it. It's one of those things that I don't think it necessarily gets enforced unless maybe a church goes, hey, they're trying to do something shady here. 
Um, and, you know, here's the thing. I don't know, is it something that they can do or is it something they do? Um, and and to, to, to be fair, too, I, I guess when I'm saying I've never heard of that, I actually have heard of that inside of the of AG. Yeah. But, I, I mean, I've never heard of a non-compete clause uh, from within churches. Um, yeah, this was a denominational policy for, yeah. for the AG that, I, that I've heard of. And, I, and I've, I haven't read it. I, don't, I haven't done a lot of research in it, so I don't want to speak as an authority on it. But um, making them sign a non-compete is just I, – I just can't find any justification for that. I've got to lump that. Okay. Uh, I think I'm going to give that a slight lump as well. Uh, I, I the real the only reason I want to say a slight lump is because Driscoll is getting pounded right now, sure. left and right oh, for sure. all kind of things. And honestly, I think this is a bit of a mistake. Uh, I don't think you should have a non-compete clause in a right. church, even if you couch it in biblical terms. Uh, it, it's a it's a little alarming to me. But is that is is it a big deal? Is is it a huge deal? Is it enough for, uh, for instance, the the Patheos blog notes that uh, that this is because Driscoll is such a business centered guy and he's building an empire business kind of things? I, you know, I think that's going too far. Right. And I think recent criticism of Driscoll, considering that here we have a brother who proclaims Jesus faithfully, biblically. Is there problems there? Is there sin there? Is there some disagreements with the elders of that church that have led to people uh, having some fallout and things like that? Apparently there is. But here's a man who, by all appearances, rightly proclaims the gospel of truth. And I see a lot of Christians biting and devouring him, which is something that Paul warns us Mm -hmm. about, that we should watch out lest we devour each other if we just keep attacking I think it's dangerous, so slight lump because I don't gr- agree with the policy. Only a slight one, slight one though, because uh, I'm a fan of anybody preaching the gospel, and I yeah. believe Driscoll I, does. Do you, do you mind if I interject there? I know I wasn't supposed to be, kind of be in this one. You are but, breaking I mean, the rules. But you guys know how rev verbiage is. Uh, Can't I like control to, yourself. I, yeah, I, I like appreciate that. I will say this. I, I don't like, I, I would not have liked a non-compete clause. But I will say this. If you had a church... And the elders in that church agreed that uh, part of their conduct with each other is that they would not leave. Um, they would not leave that church and start another church within X number of miles without agreement from all the other elders. I, agree I wouldn't with have that. a problem with that because yeah. you know, from the flip side, you can have people. You know, basically church splits where where a pastor says, "Well, I don't like the way we're doing things here. Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna run off and go do my own thing." Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go down the road here, and I'm gonna start uh, I'm gonna start another church, and I'm gonna pull membership and, and leadership from um, yeah, I'm gonna pull membership from this church and 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 start over. So yeah, I, I, I would not have an issue with elders agreeing, um, you know, for uh, for that purpose sure. to say, hey, you know, we won't oh, we sure. won't do here contact. But I man, I don't like that non compete clause right. because you don't even like that language. Yeah. Well, look, I, I'm I'm kind of with Chase, and, and like I said, I, I can't I can't like a non compete clause with churches. That just that goes to business for for yeah, the church very quick. to me. Um, I, I am wholeheartedly with Chase that I think I think there are people that don't like Driscoll, whether it's from the days of him being the cussing pastor or if it's, you know, especially in the area we live, we live in a, we live in the opposite corner of the U.S. from, literally corner of the U.S. from Driscoll. He is Pacific Northwest. We are in the deep south. Be careful. Oh, why? Well, that's that's not my, dog, my location. Um, sure. 
Because we have top even secret last names. Um, but, um, you know, he's in the Pacific Northwest. And, you know, I've even heard people give him flack over in real marriage some of the um, topics he's willing to address. And, you know, he is willing to, to go, you know, toe-to-toe on topics that a lot of pastors I know are, are afraid to talk about. And, and I respect that. I think sometimes he, he has gotten com- comfortable with being sensationalist about, about some of that. Um, but I think he forces Christians to have conversations that people need to hear us having. Yeah. Um, and and it, it's hard and it's uncomfortable, um, but but I I think you know I think this is an opportunity for somebody to beat up on Driscoll again because they don't like him or they don't like maybe yeah. part of his ministry philosophy and that's and I don't that's, think there's Patheos guys like him very much anymore. Uh, most of them, most don't, of them, yeah. everybody I've seen post. I'm a big Mark Driscoll fan. Yeah. I, I would not be a fan of a non-compete clause, but in general, I'm a big you know big Mark Driscoll guy. I like him. Like yeah. One of the things, free pass, and I like Driscoll too. I, I wouldn't necessarily say fan, but I like I like the guy a lot. Listen, well, of course to you him. wouldn't say it because I said it. This is true. This is true. Mom, dad, uh, please don't fight. Wait a minute. I love you, brother. I love you too. We're tight. Um, <laughs> I, I, I will say, one of the things I appreciate a lot about Driscoll friends is something you friends. you said, uh, Michael W. Smith. I mean, Nick, singing. You said that he addresses controversial things that not a lot of pastors do. You know what? Back in the 90s, I've been in ministry since the 90s. Back in the 90s, in those days of ministry, and I'm not old, but I've been around for a little while, the the pornography, churches, pastors, youth pastors, that was kind of a bad word. If you talked about that, there was going to be controversy. The M word, which I'm not going to say right now because there's still controversy surrounding it, you didn't talk about that kind of stuff. And you know what? Ignoring it has led to it becoming rampantly pornography. I'm talking about in particular, but rampant in the church because it wasn't talked about because it wasn't decent. I appreciate a guy like Driscoll that's going to talk about things like that that uh, are impacting people and, and and do it in a in a pretty good way. Yeah. To to bring a light lighter tone to this, um, so Driscoll, one of his most recent books is a a you know kind of um blunt look at marriage yeah and he he doesn't real marriage he doesn't shy real marriage exactly he doesn't shy away from any topic in that book and um there is a can we there yeah buddy there's a couple in our church that is um that is kind of going down the road they're during they're looking at marriage and, and all those things and one of the resources recommended them was real marriage except for yeah. chapter eight yeah. hey just skip that chapter <laughs> yeah go right not read that chapter yeah. to, that's until, a pretty specific discussion until of yeah, but, in that chapter it was a big but, blow up about that too i mean I know, there's a lot of people felt here's that the thing, controversial that, thing that was actually what i was thinking about and some of the stuff he's gotten beat up on i appreciate so much that he that he asked those questions or it's not even that he asked them he is writing questions he has been asking his minister and he's not yes. afraid to talk about it. We did a, we did a kind of sex series I, sermon yeah. series here one time. And I remember some, I remember kind of feedback. So there's some people who ask, why would we, why, why do this in church? And, yeah. and the, to me, the answer is, and my answer was then, um, because if, if we're not talking about it, then, you know, then, then Look, no one's talking about it from getting a biblical world about. view. God is not yeah. anti-sex. He, in, he invented it. It's getting talked about in commercials. Yeah, it's getting it. talked about on billboards on the side of the interstate, on pop-up ads on your computer. It's getting talked yeah. about. Yeah. And for the church to just ignore it 
and say, why don't you pray some more? <laughs> it just it boggles my mind. I do want to thank you guys, though, for because that was early on in my, my time here at the Hall of Dogma. And um, I remember one of the first questions out of the gate was a similar to chapter eight, can we blank and throw it to the new guy? Thank you. I really went to you. Oh yeah, buddy. Appreciate you that. You could probably find that somewhere on the archives at agapepinson.com, I imagine. I'm probably not sure. Seth. Not in about forty five seconds you can't. Uh, well, it'll be not all that fast. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Hey, I had a topic tonight to bring guys that um I think I'm gonna push to next week because right as we were getting ready to start recording the show, I saw a very interesting article article out and I uh, just kinda wanted to do a little uh, conversation about this and ask you guys a couple of questions. Apparently, the Gallup organization has been doing a poll dating back oh to 2001 regarding various um, uh, moral acceptability uh, uh, views in this country. And so essentially they list uh, a whole lot of moral issues. I think there may be about 19 on here. I'm not sure. Um, maybe a little bit less. And basically they ask Americans, okay, do you find this acceptable or not? Is this, uh, do you believe in general, this is the question, do you believe in general that the following are morally acceptable? And then they give the percentages of what Americans uh, believe this particular topic, whatever it may be, is morally acceptable or not. I've been tracking this since 2001. This is kind of interesting uh, looking at it, looking at today's poll, and also you can kind of go back and look at some of the previous polls. Uh, throw it out to you guys. What do you believe is, without looking or Google, Chase's moving okay. on his laptop, no Google. Uh, what do you believe is the most acceptable, all right, when it comes to moral issues in the country, what is the the one moral issue that is the most accepted by Americans? Actually, 90% of Americans say, yes, that is morally acceptable. Like an action or something? Uh, yes. Yeah, give uh, us a little bit more Okay, okay I, I apologize. Let me just no let me just throw these out. Reading. Kind of random, 90% of Americans. No, no, let me just okay. throw these out. Reading kind of is absolutely reading is great. Yeah, I apologize. Uh, let me, I'm no... Uh, no particular order here. Definitely not in the order. Gambling, death penalty, having a baby outside of marriage, gay or lesbian relationships, birth control, divorce, cloning animals, pornography, sex between teenagers, suicide, polygamy, cloning humans, having an affair, abortion, doctor-assisted suicide. So things like that. Moral issues. What do you believe is the most acceptable uh, uh, one of those issues in the country? Birth control. Actually, you got it. Ninety percent wow. of Americans believe it is acceptable to uh, to uh, have birth control. So, Nick, what do you think about birth control? Oh, oh that was a joke. Wow. <laughs> I was kidding. I really wish we'd been filming then, so I could see. Uh, yeah, so I could see his voice. Uh, so I'm sorry. So you could see his uh, his face there. Uh, what do you guys think may be the most unacceptable? Okay, read him again. Uh, well, divorce. Um, sex between an unmarried man and woman, gambling, medical research using stem cells, buying and wearing clothing made of fur, abortion, doctor-assisted suicide, married men and women having an affair, suicide, sex between teenagers. What do you think is the most unacceptable moral suicide? Actually, no, it's not. It's down there. Only 19% of Americans. How can suicide well, not top that, that list? Because it's a not, personal. I, I would probably say if either. If it's fur, I'm going to shout. It's either. It's clo- not. It's the medical uh, cloning. Um, cloning humans? Yeah. Cloning humans is way down. Only really? 13% of Americans. It's not the bottom, though. It's not the wow. very bottom. Only 13% of Americans think it one? is acceptable to clone humans. But there's one that only 7% of Americans think that is acceptable. An affair. 
an affair. Okay. That's it. Oh, really? Only, so, but, which, by the way, I, I kind of turn that around. 7% of Americans think it's acceptable to have an affair. I mean, well, you know, that that's... Uh, 70% of Americans are having affairs, so... I'm going to read you some of wow. these that are acceptable well, and unacceptable. Maybe not Bring logic to it. What are you, you guys, what do you think is the most contentious? What, what, what would you... There's Abortion. two of them. Abortion is one of those. Yes, that is the most contentious. I actually need neither a majority or... or, or uh, well, if you're talking about contentious, it's gay rights and... Actually, it's uh, not. There's abortion really? and one I don't think it would be abortion and gay rights, but... Let's it's, it's see, not. abortion... You're the most contentious in the sense that it's 50-50 kind of... Yeah, thing. yeah. Okay. Uh, it's abortion and one more. Uh, gambling. Actually, no. Doctor-assisted... Doctor, uh, euthanasia. Yeah, doctor. Fifty-two uh, percent of Americans find that acceptable. I'm going to embarrass myself a little bit here. Uh, up until I was sixteen, seventeen, I, I never understood why young people in Asia were an ethical issue that people like to debate about a lot. Wow. I mean, I'm serious. I am not making did a you, joke. I really thought it was talking about youth. What in age did you say? Asia. Six, I mean, 15, 16, something Euthanasia. like that. I actually may not be able to, I may be able to go with you on that because you say euthanasia. Yeah. And I mean, you like, don't know what it means. And so this is the, uh, let me give you guys, the, these are the most acceptable. And there's a couple of talking points here, I think. We won't spend a lot of time on this, but these are the most acceptable by Americans. Divorce, by the way, is second. 69% of Americans believe it is morally acceptable to get a divorce. 69. Wow, 69%. That's high. Sex between an unmarried man and woman, 66% of Americans believe that is okay. Um, okay, okay. Uh, Two thirds. Yeah, gambling, 62% believe that's okay. Death penalty, 61%. Uh, having a baby outside of marriage, 58%, tied with gay and lesbian relations, uh, 58% as well. All acceptable according to... 50, 58%, gay and lesbian relations, and lesbian 58%. Yeah. 58%. Ah, that's, now, uh, that's changed in 10 years. It has, and I'll speak on that for just a moment. But let me give you this. Largely unacceptable, um, the, the, the highly unacceptable, we've already talked about suicide, cloning humans... Having an affair and polygamy, all are the, uh, of course, polygamy being uh, having more than one spouse at the same time. Um, also, sex between teenagers. So this, this is kind of interesting to me is that uh, sex between an unmarried man and woman, 66% of Americans say that's okay. But sex between teenagers, 30% of Americans say that's okay. So, interesting. Yeah. Uh, here's the thing, and I, I think we can speak to this just for a moment, but um, there are a few issues that are the most uh, widely changed since they started doing this poll. The gay and lesbian relations um, in 2002 was at 38%. 20% gain. Yeah, so it's a 20% gain. In, uh, in 12 since, years. Yeah, in, in, in just... Uh, that's astounding. In just that, that is an astounding... Astounding shift in the ethics of America, and actually, by the way, it's it shifted in 2010. So it was really just eight oh my years. Gosh. Within eight years, yeah, I bet it's probably a lot more now. Uh, we, well, within eight years, it's 58 percent now, but within eight years, it, it shifted see, to a majority. You understand? 20 percent sounds look like a small number, but if you're a 250 pound man and you lose about 20 percent of your body weight, you're still a 200 pound. That you know, that's that's how big that number is. That's a big number. That's a, that's a large shift. Um, I want to come back to that, and I'll kind of ask a final question off that one. But uh, uh, the other was uh, the other is kind of interesting. Back in two thousand one, fifty three percent of Americans believed that uh, sex between an unmarried man and woman was morally acceptable. But this year, it's among the most widely acceptable at sixty six percent. So that has shifted as well in just that uh, thirteen years. As has uh, having a baby outside of wedlock, which um, 
Again, um, uh, in the past, um, it was less than 50%. believe that was okay. Uh, more than 60 today. I want to get too caught up in the numbers, but uh, I think I think the big thing here is that the uh, kind of the moral compass of the country um, has shifted. Uh, we could talk about a lot. I am not a guy, you know, I am against moralism uh, in, in terms of um, Christianity and the gospel. Moralism being essentially that... Um, that are you throwing your hands up? Like, what if somebody's listening right now and they don't know what moralism is? Yeah, sixty seconds. What is moralism? Moralism, I would define as basically an idea that uh, that God wants you to be a better person, and that uh, the whole point of Christ coming to Why save should we you, be opposed to that? The whole point of Christ coming to save you was that you could um, you could stop sinning and start doing better things, and and I w- I believe that the gospel is that we can't do better things on our own, that we can't. Um, Stop sinning. That uh, Christ, Christ comes to uh, impart to us His righteousness because He takes away our sins. And and I'm not saying that sin is not a big deal. I'm not saying that that there is not obedience in the Word. But uh, any idea that what God is doing is looking down at people and saying, you be better humans, yeah. you stop doing those things. I don't believe that's what God is doing. I think God is saying, take the righteousness of my son Christ through faith because you need his righteousness and to be clothed in it. And so yeah. moralism is a false gospel. Yeah. We I don't look lose. at a homosexual and say, stop being gay and then come to Jesus. That's a false gospel. Well, the problem is I think we do that. No, well, you know? we shouldn't. Yeah, but you're right. We shouldn't. And, and, you know, any more than, you know, uh, any other issue that you want to any take, other, but, but yes. that's a great one is I think that's the problem maybe in the church today is that uh, people think, well, if you're a homosexual, you need to fix yourself first, then you can come to Christ. The whole point is you can't do that. Uh, let me ask you guys a question uh, to kind of end this segment, though. I read an article this week, very interesting, that um, a gentleman um, put forward, I think he was secular, um, but he put forward that the reason that most dramatic, this most dramatic shift in the country in the idea between um, homosexuality and it being largely unacceptable 10 or 12 years ago, and largely acceptable today. I mean, this has been a huge shift, as, as Chase was just talking about a moment ago. This gentleman uh, made the uh, put the idea out that the reason is because people have not been compassionate, Christians in particular, toward homosexuals and homosexuality, and that in general, people in our country like compassion and hate. Um, uh, what's the opposite of compassion? I guess meanness? Um, um, well, severeness. I mean, yeah, severeness. Yeah. Someone write in, leave it, or, or send us a voicemail of what you think the opposite of, <laughs> of compassion is. Um, so basically, that the reason there's been such a dramatic shift is because we've not shown compassion to homosexuals. What do you guys think about that? Do you think that what what part do you think that may have played in such a dramatic moral shift? Okay, that's um, a fine question. I haven't read the article. I probably would disagree with a lot the author the author had to say, but uh, I uh, I do actually agree in large part at least in at least a, a major part with that premise. I believe Christians for decades, ever since I've been alive at least, have uh, turned homosexuality into kind of a super sin. We make jokes about it. We we treat homosexual people as. Uh, uh, as as just yucky, nasty, or whatever, or at least some Christians do that. Uh, there's mock, there's ridicule. Um, 
lots of people in the church in our day and in the first century struggle with same-sex attraction, uh, but in the atmosphere that is in our churches with guys making jokes and, and, and that sort of thing about it and denigrating homosexual, homosexuality with hatred um, and scorn and derision, that is no atmosphere for somebody to come out and say, hey, this is a struggle of mine, uh, or, or what do I do with this, or you know that sort of thing. So yeah, I think it's contributed. I say that to our shame. Yeah. Well, I, I happen to kind of agree with that point. I don't know, Nick. Do you have any thoughts on it? Um, it's it's similar to what a lot of Chase was saying. It's just that we Facebook um, talking about this. I thought of a sign I saw on Facebook, and I, I don't. I try to remember the. Try to look it up real quick, but um, it, it basically uh, it was a church side that even, and this is what that's part of what kind of stuck out to me, but. It was a, cert, a church sign chiding people who would um, ridicule or, or um, rebuke homosexuals who are on their fourth marriage themselves. And it goes back to what you're saying about a, a super sin. And um, for whatever reason, we do not compare apples to apples. We were talking about you know the sexuality issue a little bit before, and how you know first of all the church won't talk about it. Um, sex, period. And then you, you come up to the the issue of sexual attraction, and um, you know we don't we don't rebuke people um, for you know for for marriage, um, getting bored with that spouse or getting frustrated with that spouse, and instead of following the biblical pattern of of um, you know repentance and different things like that and um, commitment, um, we just jump from spouse to spouse, and you know we're we're, we're putting a shiny coating on. on something that's no different than basically adultery. Um, and, you know, we rebuke adulterers, um, or we don't rebuke adulterers that, that sit in our pews, but yet we tell gay people to fix themselves before they come to church. Yeah. And that's just, it's what you guys are saying, um, that, that that doesn't make any sense at all, and that and that is utterly contrary to any kind of message you see in, in the New Testament anywhere, from Jesus down to the apostles. And so that... Yeah. Well, and I do think that uh, I, I I happen to agree with um, with you guys on that, and 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 with what Chase is saying, I think to our shame, um, the compassion that we have showed toward um, um, homosexuals in the church um, is uh, has created a large issue, it's created a large problem. I will say this: that the the, the moral shift is it's going to continue to rise in a lot of these things. And, and, and one of the reasons Absolutely. that, um, and I'll end with this, one of the reasons that I am, um, I'm not a picketer. I'm not going to go out and protest uh, homosexual marriage. It's just uh, it's not something I'm going to do, and I, I don't think that's going to bring people to the gospel. I will say that the danger there, the danger in allowing those types of um, issues to go unchecked, is that at some point, Everyone can come along and say, well, what I believe and what I want to do should be allowed. And so over time, you'll see the polygamy numbers go from 14% in this country who find it highly unacceptable to 10, 12 years from now. Yeah. That number rises because who are we to say you can't be married to you know, one to 12 people? And, of course, that somebody might point out that's throughout the Old Testament it is, um, although it's never approved or shown in a good light. And the same thing with having an affair. Eventually, that number rises. Um, right. As you move further away from the Scripture morally, 
Um, and again, not being moralist, not being believing that obedience is what saves us, because I don't believe that. Uh, but the more you move away from Scripture, the more you move away from the Bible in, in moral issues, um, the, f- the further we're going to get away from it in all moral uh, uh, categories, not just one. All right, so I think we're going over to Nick for next topic. Good times. All right. Um, real, you know, just light material coming off of, real easy to have another. Well, you know, we time. have a, a real faith, Nick, and it is real world. Wrong show, bro. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> it was just a that, bit of a plug there for uh, an old beautiful. podcast. Yeah. Ooh, that is the um, <laughs> that's the joke I needed to get to transition. Um, so this is an article. Um, you can find it on familydiscipleshippath.com um, slash 2013 slash 11 slash 22 slash sports hyphen VS hyphen church. Or if you probably search sports. Search sports versus church. I'm a little confused now. Plorp. Plorp indeed. If you and search sports versus church. I'll also put it out on our Twitter. That would be delightful. Um, And I'll try to put the article in the show notes. Um, I just realized I got way too far down that road and I didn't know how to get myself back. Sorry about that. Hey, the good news is if you go to Google as well and search for sports vs. church, it's the first article. I I didn't want to speak to the Google, but I figured you could search it on her. That article's gone kind of viral. You just said the Google. I did say the Google. The Google. I almost said the Twitter earlier in our um, contact info. But what what got me to read this article, because usually I'll see stuff like this come across Facebook or whatever, and um, I won't read it. But the thing that got me to read it is... um, our very own Reverend Verbage um, posted it. Reverb. And it, and it was um, yet again an echo and banging of a symbol that he rings all the time because he, he chooses to not let his kids enjoy um, sports. <laughs> That's such a lot. <laughs> I know it is, but it was fun. Was it Revelation? Like, what is that verse? 21 Revelation. 21-8. Yeah, 21-8. Um, a lot of people go to hell is what that verse says. Um, but... Um, Sorry, everybody's chuckling at me now very uncomfortably. And so um, the, the the first line of this, the warning, the following may make you uncomfortable, may even make you mad. Um, and she, she Are goes you mad, on, Nuke? I'm not. Um, okay. She goes on to tell a story about the first. How, on a, <laughs> how on a Sunday morning she finds herself sitting on a soccer field because um, one of her children's at a tournament game. Um, goes on to say that... Um, she counted numerous families. Uh, I think she said 20 families from her church who were also at games that morning. That's a big church, by the way. That is a big One church. of our elders made the comment if 20 of our families were at the soccer field that there actually wouldn't have been anybody at the there church. There were church, yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, commenting, obviously this means they weren't at church either. Um, she goes on to talk about how in different um, – that there was a almost a guilting um, into having them there that, well, if you're not there, we can't play, things like this. And um, – she was just. Comp- she talks about contemplating the predicament of the families. Um, feel like they have no choice for a variety of reasons, and um, just just these different things. And um, she goes on to say uh, how one of the lines here. Apologize. Um, That's okay. We're just going to continue to look for marshmallows in our that. bag box of cereal <laughs> while you look. Um, she talks Finish about, my cereal now. She talks ago. about the long term effect that missing church will have on her family. Um, and not not that one missed Sunday is going to derail your children's spiritual growth, um, but then but then she goes on to basically say that missing church, um, 
or attending church and missing church is directly affected with the relationship of God. Church attendance is not the goal. However, church is the way that God has provided for people to grow in their knowledge and love of God. Um, so it, there's this kind of... At times in the article, it feels like she's doing a little bit of talking out of the both sides of her mouth. And, um, you know, I'm going to kick it to both of you guys, and we'll kind of start a friendly discussion about this and um, just understand, you know, audience, that this is a conversation we've had numerous occasions a little bit before. But I think I think there's a conversation to be had here um, about what church is and, and what it's what it is and what it isn't and um, the way it, it, it should occur. So I'm actually going to... Um, give a little, verbiage a little bit more time to to ramp up and kick it to Chase first. Okay, um, I have five children, uh, three of whom play soccer. Um, we this season of 2014, I think we had five Sunday games, uh, none of which happened during church time. Uh, like we have Sunday morning church here. Uh, if they did happen during church time, I think uh, our kids missed because because we kind of made the decision uh, at some point that they, they would not miss church for soccer. Um, we have left early a couple of times, uh, early as in, uh, I mean, our church is supposed to be, our gathering of believers is, is over around 1230, but we all hang out with each other for a long time sure. after that, uh, and our kids have left early, and, and I grieve that. Her the solution uh, that's found on the article of familydiscipleshippath.com, this this is what she says. She says, could there be a better way? What if we all joined together and said, no, no more sports on Sundays? When we were kids, there was never anything scheduled on Sundays. We never had to choose between sports and church. Sundays were safe for church and family and gathering with friends. Um, that's that's a that's a good charge, and I, honestly, I think I could support that. My struggle with soccer is not so much those five Sundays that, that the kids had to miss the afternoon hangout times at the lunch afterwards or where our schedule on Sundays was squeezed together more. My struggle with soccer is the two and three nights of practice a week plus the games on Saturday. Sometimes you have to travel an hour or two or three away yeah. uh, if your kid plays competitive soccer. And that puts the clamps on things business business wise mm-hmm. fatigue wise uh, spiritual pursuit wise relationally i mean this year this last two years uh, all of us uh, probably haven't hung out nearly as much relationally with our families as we have before uh, and i think soccer is part of that that's where my struggle is i if we were to say no more sunday soccer games that would affect uh, our kids would miss like i said probably 10 games a year since you know this we're halfway through the season um but honestly i don't know how much that would overall affect us what do you think david uh you know i'm not uh, nick's joking around a little bit about uh uh, call me the anti, well, whatever you said, um, that, um, whatever you, guys let, you, you guys let your, your kids play soccer. I have, have let my kids play soccer I before. Um, and I let my kids do, my kids do extra You actually have, in, in fairness, just, just cause I'm the one who was joking with David cause I, I, I love David and known him forever. Um, David has a schedule where 
his kids all participate in activities, but due to their time and, and different things about their life, they they're on a rotation basis where yeah we yeah. have we're not in a position like David where where we have to do that. Well, yet, and, so. and I ha- I have five kids. Yeah. Um. And so the, the one of the things look I I grew up an only child. Um. I know you can't tell that, but uh, I did. I grew up an only child. I, I could do, you know, my parents could take me to different things. I didn't play. I played a little little league baseball, and I actually raced BMX bikes. That's what that was the big thing I did when I was That's a neat. kid. Uh, it was a race race bikes, and so we spent a lot of Saturdays um, at the um, at uh, the different uh, racetracks. Um, my my issue, you know, having five kids is. If I try to involve all of my kids in an activity at the same time, which some people would say, well, that's fair. Well, that's all of our time. I mean, that's literally all of our time because I, there's five of them. So we rotate among them. Um, I am not anti-soccer. I'm not anti, and this is not even about soccer because you could place football in here or, or Little sure. League or anything. I'm two things. Number one, I am anti the emphasis we put on it, especially in the Deep South. I think there's an idea I'm not saying it's, it's prevalent necessarily among you guys. I'm just saying I think it's an idea in our culture that in order for the kids to have a well-rounded, great childhood, they have to be involved in a lot of things. they got to be involved in the things their friends are, so we've got to get them involved in, in sports and activities, and all of them need to be involved in them at the same time. And, and I see uh, families and, and people whose schedules are controlled by these extracurricular activities, and I think it pulls them away a lot of times from the greater things. In other words... Um, you know, we may teach our kids to throw a great spiral and kick a great ball, but are we teaching them how to share the gospel and how to minister and how to serve? What are they going to think when they grow up about their place to serve in the church and their place to minister to people in the community? Um, what are they going to think about those things based on the childhood? So that's my, my, my first issue. My second issue with sports on Sundays is that uh, Chase – points out they had about five Sunday games this year. Um, it would be interesting to know how many Sunday soccer games there were five years ago, six years ago, seven years ago. It's definitely increased because we've been playing for that long, and uh, it's only been the last two years we've had to deal with that. So my point, my point is this. I'm not a legalistic guy. I don't think that um, the New Testament necessarily commands us to not do anything on the Lord's Day. Uh, on a what you know what we would on a Sunday, um, uh, but I do think that just a generation ago Sundays were a day dedicated to the Lord. I think you could make a case out of the New Testament that it was a day dedicated to the Lord. And my issue is this: the more we allow people to plan extracurricular football, baseball, soccer games on Sundays, what will it look like fifteen years from now? Um, what will it look like down the road? Uh, it, it doesn't affect churches that have just a Sunday morning service, but there are churches that have Sunday evening services. And uh, to me, if you get up, go to church on Sunday morning, you head to the soccer field for three or four hours, you are not going to attend probably a Sunday evening service. Somebody might write in and say, no, we do that every week. But I think that we are dividing the focus because I think we're allowing um, – we're allowing other things to come in on Sunday. Uh, this is not a legalistic ranting, uh, as as, some, as someone is saying. <laughs> Somebody in the chat room. right now in wow. our chat, legalistic wow. rant. I don't but, know where that uh, came from. Uh, but look, this is serious, guys. When when I grew up, we didn't need Sunday games. 
Our generation proved that. You don't have to play Sunday games. The leagues don't have to schedule Sunday games. They are doing it because they can. Sure. They are not doing it because they have to. They are doing it because they can. And if we don't, if Christians go along with it 10, 15 years from now, there won't just be five games a season. It will be three times that a season. So well, let me ask you this. Wait, wait. It's my segment. Nick, <laughs> what were you going to say to David? Go ahead, Chase. Let me ask you this. He's very how passionate. He's finger pointing. David. He really that's kind of why I And I'm using your name. Yeah. That's how you know I'm angry yeah, with you. you using my name. I'm really just, I'm ramping up the intensity. If for you sent me a text right now that says K on it, I would know that you, you were would furious. Know I was off the chains angry. Here's my question for you. All right, you're counseling a family that has uh, several kids in soccer. They're busy, too busy. And they say, uh, Pastor David, there's two things we can do here. Um, we can cut out a night of soccer uh, a, a week. Uh, you know, they, they come to the conclusion that dropping soccer altogether probably didn't work for them. We can cut out a night of soccer a week, like say Tuesday, so we can have more time at home or whatever, uh, or, or something like that. Or, or we can make the decision we're just not going to participate in soccer on a Sunday. Is that the which one do you think would be the best decision? Are you with the author of this article um, that what we really need to do is cut soccer on Sunday? Is that the thing that you think is uh, the real battleground here? I'm with you. I, I understand your question. I'm not. Um, I'm not saying I no, know no, the answer. I I, I'm not trying to lead you. I don't know that I know the answer to that question. I, I really don't know that. I, I don't know um, the 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 best. My my initial. My initial go- look. I agree with you. Like you said, you know, if you get involved in any kind of sport and you're practicing two or three nights a week, and then you have maybe five Sunday games a year, um, that's uh, my issue. Is these these leagues don't have to schedule those? They don't. And and to me, if if if, if people just set up front, look, we'll we'll be there every Saturday, but we're not going to play on Sundays. Those the leagues would say, well, we're not going to schedule. You know, we're not going to schedule. We're going along with it. But to answer your question, um, I I uh, I don't know. I don't know which to point people. I, I almost think it's two different questions. The issue to me on Sundays is not an issue of you being burnt out or too tired. The uh-huh. issue is just one of principle. It's I just, got you. hey, Sundays, that's not what we're going to do on Sundays. We're going to take a day a week and... And we're going to dedicate that over to the Lord, and so we're not going to we're not going to, you know, for our family, that's not what we'll like heading to the ball field on Sunday afternoon. Well, me, the, to me, the, the the issue during the week is more one of being tired and too busy. Well, here's here's kind of where one of the things I wanted to to discuss with this is, um, and we're you know we're running up against a little bit of a time limit, so we'll, we'll try to be more brief, um, and we can we can discuss it more later in our own blog or or whatever. But you know, in a, real quick, you know. 32nd, David, what is what is the church? The church is made up of um, believers in Christ. Okay. Chase, what is the church? Uh, the fellowship of people uh, who are saved by Jesus. When does church happen? Well, it happens, it happens all the time. It should. I mean, it, it, it's a, the church is an ongoing daily reality, not merely a one-time gathering a week. We've moved away from saying the church is a building, but we still say I'm going to church, sure. as in a church service. Sure. Acknowledge that. So, David, where, when does church happen? Um, I, I, I don't church. I mean, you're, I understand the phrasing. I mean, I understand what you're. 
I think I'm sure trying to get at. Um, phrasing the question may be throwing me off a bit. Um, it's in, on the, its own purpose. Yeah, I understand. The church, church is, again, made up of, of believers. I think the Bible points us to a gathering of the believers uh, for worship. I think you see pictures of that, for example, in Corinthians. Um, but uh, I think you could also say, maybe if you ask the question, well, when... When is what does the fellowship of the church look like? I think mm. that could, could. I think there are components that have to happen for true biblical fellowship, uh, but you could have that. I think at any time, maybe probably any place. And I get and, and so here's you know I'll try to wrap up in, in a minute or two um, of rambling myself. And um, but but here's where I wanted to address or, or challenge some of the assertions in the article. I don't disagree with her about the the regret and the looking for an alternative to missing church on Sunday. I don't, I don't disagree with that unction at all, but she starts to talk a lot about we're missing church and what's going to happen to my children's spiritual growth because, because church is where that happens for them. And, and that grieves me as a father that grieves me as a, as someone who at various times is entrusted with a degree of ministry in our own church that grieves me because, because if the time a week when you're, if if the discipleship and the teaching and the spiritual growth your family gets happens once a week in a two hour span, there's there's more to consider there, because we're going to have church on on Wednesday, that's that's going to be a prayer time, and then there's going to be different smaller churches meeting next week when we meet for what we call gospel communities here in our fellowship. In the next week, the women are going to have a church service where they meet and have a women's Bible study. And um, and so church happens throughout all those. And for me as a father, church needs to happen tomorrow night or Tuesday night whenever I pull my family on the couch and I, and I open the Word and I begin to look in the Word and teach them about Jesus and teach them about how different parts of their life. And with me and my son, you know, a little bit of, of that needs to happen yesterday when, when we had Daddy Sunday. Um, you know, my daughters, whenever we go out for, for times on our own, that's when what she's talking about them missing needs to happen. And, and so my, I am not advocating for us skipping church on Sundays um, oh, I think you are. Well, I think... I'm just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Calm down, Nuke. Um, Calm down, Nuke. But, but really, I get, I get very concerned um, when people tie the attendance at church on Sunday with their spiritual growth. And, and, I, and, I, and I think I understand the heart of what she's saying. And so I, I don't want to just you know, completely undermine the writer of this article because she, she's struggling with something that I think parents should consider strongly. But my, my encouragement would be, you know, to fathers, um, you're the pastors of your home. Um, mothers, you're ministers inside your home. Um, older siblings even, um, you know, you have a role to play inside your home. And, you know, to, to wait for a Sunday for that to happen and, and look for it to happen at a certain time in a certain building, we're missing the opportunities we have to be the church. Yeah, the children's ministry of your church is not responsible for discipling your kids. You you are dad, you are mom. And 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 one thing, I'll I'll say this real quick, this will be my last thing. I remember um, within the last two weeks, I don't remember the specific date, but Chase was actually talking to another pastor who our, our kids are all part of the same soccer league. And they didn't have church per se, 
but you had two brothers that that Chase had a question for this particular minister and wanted to understand a little bit more about kind of the background of some of the things they do and how and why. And it wasn't church per se that we had this morning, but that was the believers coming together, iron sharpening iron, encouraging one another, um, building a reliance on one another that, you know, that pastor can come to Chase or Chase can go to him again. Um, or I'm sorry, that minister, I, I don't think technically we would, he would be called a pastor. He prefers to be called a preacher. Preacher. Okay. I'm, I'm trying to defer um, out of respect for what his denomination would, would call him um, or have him call. Anyway, trying to be respectful there, but. Um, you know, you have a connection made where um, the body comes together, functions, uplifts one another, encourages. And I think those things are valuable, too. And so, um, yeah, I, I think that you, she says in your church attendance is not the goal, however, church is the way God has provided for people to grow in their knowledge and love of who God is. I, I, I can nitpick it. Pick that, yeah. and and I do, I, I agree. I, I think you've you've put well that there are some points in terms of spiritual growth, and especially spiritual growth of your children, that that's it's not about Sunday morning, and it's not about that gathering. Right. So I, I find much agreement with you there. I probably find some disagreement in terms of. That I, you know, and I don't think you're saying this, but I think other people would probably say, well, look, you can go to church anytime. I think there is a, not necessarily the day of the week, but I think that there's a special importance on the gathering of the believers. Absolutely. And I, I think you're saying that Absolutely. in like gospel communities and prayer um, and, and, and things like that. Um, you know, what we call gospel communities, other churches may call small groups and then prayer meetings. Small groups, cell ministry. Yeah, cell ministry. And so I, I think I think there are components. For example, right. if somebody said, well, my church is a Sunday afternoon and we meet at the uh, we meet at the fields and play Ultimate Frisbee, I would say, <laughs> well, you're missing a few components of what you I see agree. in the New Testament in terms of prayer and breaking open of the Word and worship. Um, but uh, I think ultimately, and, I, and I'll end it here, I, I, I am still compelled somewhat by the New Testament that there was something from those first century believers about the Lord's day and about having a day that they gathered every week. And and there's something that makes me nervous about us compromising on that. I Look, I wouldn't even say if somebody sat down with me and said, well, what do you do on the Lord's day? Do you watch football on television? <laughs> well, I do. I watch, you know, I watch some NFL on a Sunday afternoon. So my said, well, you shouldn't do that on the Lord's Less day. Less than a hundred days. So I think that's why you don't want to get too legalistic about it. But I'm just, you know, my, my overall point is, and 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 certainly believing that you've made some 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 good uh, some good points there. My overall thought is, where are we going to be ten fifteen years from now on the Lord's Day if we continue to compromise in that area? That's that's a little bit of concern. So that's your so. chief concern on that issue is, is that soccer is, on the Lord's that Day. That is not my chief concern in the extracurricular issue. My chief concern would be the place people are putting in their lives. Okay, Fair idolatry. Okay. Idolatry is, is my good. is my bigger. Chase. That's my bigger issue. I think that's that's fair enough. I, yeah. I I don't have a whole lot to add there. I think it's been a good, healthy discussion. All right, good thing to wrestle with. Hey, just to get out of here, guys, because I think it's about that time. Really quickly, um, how surprised would you be to find that the United States Defense Department has a response for a zombie apocalypse? I I call bull. I, I'll say this: if they don't have a plan. For a zombie apocalypse, after all of these documentaries that I've seen for oh years, God. including black and white ones about do- zombies attack, they're they're morons. Uh, look, I, I, Those aren't documentaries. That's the Sci-Fi Channel. Sure, you are. Let me tell Day you of, what they uh, are. Day of the Dead. That was a documentary. Let me tell you. Ken what. Burns did that, I believe. 
Let me tell you what angers me about this is that they, the United States Defense Department has a uh, classified, excuse me, a, an unclassified document um, that was obtained by foreignpolicy.com. So you can go read this. We'll link it up on the show notes as well. It's called CONOP 8888, and it is a zombie survival plan, a how-to guide for military planners trying to isolate the threat from a menu of the undead. From chicken zombies to vegetarian zombies and evil and even no, evil magic no, no, zombies, no. and this is a Are de- you yes, this is a Defense Department um, response for a zombie apocalypse. What I am upset about is that the Defense Department did not contact me to ask how we would stop a zombie apocalypse after all of my countless hours oh of defeating zombies on the. Plants vs. Zombies game oh. for the iPad. <laughs> Yikes. Nice. Because I have, I have put many... Are you the master? I've put many a zombie asunder. From, have you played the second one? Oh, yeah, yeah, I've got it. Is it good? Zombies throughout time. You're, you're all throughout uh, Wild West. and uh, But, yes, the United States does have, the Jeez. Defense Department has a zombie apocalypse plan. Now, here is the rub, as Nick was calling bull on it. The rub is this. It's an actual plan. And it really is called CONOP 8888, uh, otherwise known as... That count- sounds official. Yeah, otherwise known as county uh, counter-zombie dominance, and it's data- dated back from April 2011. Uh, this this is the deal. It's a training exercise. The Military ah. Defense Department was asked to put together a training exercise uh, to deal with um, a major uh, catastrophic worldwide event. And rather than use like a real political situation that if it leaked out could co- possibly cause concern uh, they came up with well let's do a plan on the zombie apocalypse so it's an actual defense department plan and it it really is detailed on on how they would eradicate the zombies and and then restoring civil authority and even finding pockets of zombie resistance to destroy it and so it's really out there but it's um it's a training tool not an actual what they think would be a uh, a real or that's what they want you to believe but here's the question that i want to kind of end off with tonight guys do you actually know it says in the uh it says here in the uh, in the article that uh, that in the plan uh, they include uh, vegetarian zombies, evil magic zombies, and chicken zombies. And here's what the actual article says. Although it sounds ridiculous, this is actually the chicken only zombies. proven class of zombie that actually exists. So-called chicken zombies occur when old hens that can no longer lay eggs are euthanized by farmers with carbon monoxide and buried and then they claw their way back to the surface chicken zombies are simply terrifying to behold and are likely only to make people become vegetarians in protest to animal cruelty have you guys ever heard of this supposedly according to the defense department there is actually such a thing all right well chicken it's been a good episode. I'm, I'm going to the google here oh my gosh <laughs> All right, I just want. All right, so for a moment, imagine you're on your farm, Chase, Farmer Chase. Yep. You are I can on. I picture you with a hat right now. You are on your farm, and you have uh, put together. Or excuse me, you have put asunder one of your hens, uh, and uh, you um, are going about more farm work. And all of a sudden, you notice that that hen has clawed its way back up to the surface. <laughs> 
and is uh, he goes to look for his broadsword. What would you? Germex. How would yeah. you handle that situation there? Well, I think uh, Nick got it. Chase. It's uh, it's the sword or the axe and the Germex. Um, now, if I put something else in the ground and it comes up and it's larger than a chicken, uh, we might have a little trouble. But I, I'm okay with zombie chickens uh, <laughs> less than 100. Wow. I, I'm pretty certain I can take 100 or less zombie chickens. 100 or less zombie chickens. Well, yeah. you would have to be careful attacking anything with your sword just because you, you only have 10 toes. I would put my toes in danger. Wow. We'll there tell is that a, story one day. Yeah, we'll tell the story one day of yes. Chase um, going after something with a sword. Good times. Uh, so, guys, just, just know that the Defense Department is prepared in case of these zombies. There's a lot of things I was worried about and that what i think the best uh i read one time the best countermeasure for zombie was just surround your house with uh treadmills awesome <laughs> that's awesome. well gentlemen if you have made it and ladies if you have made it this far you have done a yeoman's work today listening to this podcast you might fit in great at agape fellowship where the preaching lasts almost as long when <laughs> rev verbiage is at the mic <laughs> I kid, Perfect. I kid. I want to put out an appeal. I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, introduce possibly a new segment, calling it, calling it "Why." We want to hear from you. One question. Here's your question: The Southern Baptists uh, have declined in membership for seven years in a row. Why? Oh, nice. Tweet us at my gospel friends, or uh, post on our Facebook group, Facebook.com/groups/slash. Hall of Dogma. You can even email us at thegospelfriends at gmail.com. And we have a voicemail, as Nick showed, uh, shared with us earlier, 205-575-9735. If that's too many things to remember, no worries. Just simply go to our webpage, get in touch with us however you like, thegospelfriends.com. Send some feedback. Tell us why you think Southern Baptists have, have declined for seven years in a row, or give us some feedback on the show, or ask your own dang question. We might even send you a box of um, honeycomb <laughs> with twisted marshmallows. Well, like four box. per box. Four <laughs> I think we should do that. Like the box. very first person that That's ever contacts awesome. us that, that doesn't know us. That okay, doesn't this, know us. Okay. I don't know. Maybe if they can just listen to the show, if they know us, maybe we should send it to them. <laughs> We send them a box of honeycombs. Which if they know us and they're okay. listening, they really deserve a box of cereal. Hey, look, we can look. We can even bring it to them. So, there or we'll mail well, it to you if you leave a voicemail or follow us on Twitter and send us a message. That's fine. Well, gentlemen, that does it for me. It's twelve twenty-two a.m. Uh, not late for me. Late for everybody else. I'm out. Yes, sir. All right. Join us next time when. No, that was another podcast we did. Wow. All right. Good night.